You're listening to The Baltic Perspective, a dialogue on the future of European energy brought to you by BalticWind.eu. It is my great pleasure to introduce Galina Schmidt, the member of the board uh, of the Ukrainian uh, Wind Association and also the vice president of the World Wind Energy Association. Hello, Galina. Uh, nice to have you with us today. Uh, hello, Christoph. I'm very pleased to be here uh, and uh, answering your questions. Thank you. Uh, Galina, we meet one year after Russia started its war against Ukraine. From the perspective of uh, those past 12 months, how has Ukraine, including the Ukrainian energy sector, changed? Yes, Christoph, you are right. It's nearly one year has already passed since Russia unleashed an unprovoked and justified war against Ukraine. And uh, from the very first days of the war, the Ukraine's energy infrastructure facilities were among the primary targets for the Russian army. As of today, uh, we have already suffered 14 missiles and 16 drone massive attacks. By the way, right now we have uh, new ones in my country, uh, shattering uh, all main cities, including Kiev as well. And uh, so the results of all these attacks has uh, resulted in destroying and damaging almost 50% of the power system of Ukraine. In particular, Russian missiles hit all thermal power plants and majority of hydropower plants. According to the damage assessment, as of December 2022, the total amount of documented damage to Ukraine infrastructure is estimated almost $138 billion, and it's also only replacement cost. Preliminary estimates of losses from destroyed, damaged or stolen wind farm equipment exceeds 50 million euros. Another 500 million euros was lost due to the forced downtown of wind farms. And unfortunately, these figures are expected to grow in the coming months as the war continues. We are all waiting for the world war to end and uh, actually Today, we are recording this interview on the 10th of February. It's a week uh, of the visit of your president, uh, both in the UK and, and Ukraine. And there are many hopes uh, uh, of, of what this, uh, what this um, visit uh, can, c c visits can bring. So I wanted to ask, in your opinion, um, so far has the response of the European Union and also the individual states uh, to the Russian aggression uh, been adequate? Uh, first of all, I'd like to express my deepest and sincere gratitude to all Europeans, to our friends Poles, for your strength and continued support for staying with us from the very first days of this horrible and barbaric invasion. You know, millions of Ukrainian people were forced to flee their homes, seeking safety, protection and assistance. More than 8 million refugees from Ukraine have crossed borders into neighboring countries. And the majority of those uh, fleeing Ukraine were women and children. And we found refuge in your countries. Thank you very much. We greatly appreciate all humanitarian aid ranging from medical, medical supplies to vehicle and energy equipment we received from you. And what is very important, you support us with weapons guns, heavy weapons, tanks, and I hope very much jets will be as well. 
our enemy is strong and possess a huge arsenal of weapons inherited from the Soviet Union. So we need new weapons and faster deliveries to win over our invaders. And for sure, I would like also to mention and uh, thank the European Union for the sanctions imposed on Russia by EU. EU declaration on implementing an oil price cap on Russian crude oil and refined oil products to reduce natural gas consumption and I hope on nuclear power industry in the nearest future as well. Russia attempts to blackmail Europe our gas supply failed. Look at Germany. Prior to the war, country imported up to 55% of natural gas from Russia. And nowadays, Germany does not depend on Russia import anymore. According to the recent report by clean energy think tank Amber, for the first time in 2022, wind and solar power introduced, sorry, produced 22% of the EU electricity exceeding natural gas. So, I consider we make uh, adequate response to all the blackmails and all the horrors. For sure, we should increase, we should expand it, but we are on the right way, I'm pretty sure. The level of disinformation uh, done by, by Russian agents is, is enormous, and it also it also touches on uh, the fact if sanctions work, uh, we know they work, but apparently um, there's still much to be done uh, as as the war still the war still progresses, and there's also um, a ongoing discussion uh, in within the EU on moving away from from uh, Russian fossil fuels. And uh, I wanted to ask, uh, what is the point of view of your organization? Uh, how do you assess the, 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 the repower EU's plan to move away from Russian fossil fuels? Uh, in two words, very impressed. Uh, Russia, Russia's attempt to weaponize energy highlighted the obvious truth that dependence on fossil fuels makes any country weak vulnerable and dependent. Therefore, the EU response was clear and very logical for me. Uh, Ukraine, the Ukrainian Wind Energy Association fully welcomes the Repower EU plan aims at phasing our dependence on Russian fossil fuels through renewable technologies acceleration, energy efficiency, energy saving and green hydrogen technologies. Wind energy covers 15% of EU electricity nowadays, but it is set to grow up to 43% by 2030. This means 510 gigawatt of wind energy installation by 2030 up from 190 gigawatt we have now. The draft National Renewable Energy Action Plan of Ukraine for the period up to 2030 provides for sourcing 27% of the total final consumption from renewables by 2030. But we believe that Ukraine's ambitions on renewables must now be lifted up in line with EU targets. Ukraine can and should become a regional leader in decarbonizing economy and energy. We should strive to generate at least uh, or let's say up to 40% of our electricity from renewables by 2032, based on onshore, offshore wind, rooftop and ground mount solar and large hydro. And so we is... fully support and uh, as I have already said, fully welcomed this Repower EU plan. And the moment where, when, when Ukraine can start rebuild um, 
is, is something we are all, all, all waiting for. And uh, actually, especially this week, I think <clears throat> it's, it's an important question to ask because among all, all, all these all this, uh, terrible things happening, there are some positive developments uh, uh, like opening this new chapter for, for Ukraine uh, in relations with the European Union. And and also this has this this would be would would was possible to see uh, very well uh, in how your president was welcome in the European Parliament this week. The prospect of membership seems for closer than ever. And uh, even if there are still many reforms ahead for Ukraine, I wanted to ask you, especially in the in the in the energy, climate, and environmental uh, policy areas, how do you assess the avail- avail- uh, the, the ability uh, of government? Um, and the institution and of, of your energy sector uh, to implement the EU legal frameworks and, and policies. What is the plan that you see ahead? Uh, for sure, Ukraine's integration to EU will become a major factor to determine the direction of the post-war recovery of Ukraine's power sector and the whole country as well. The country's codes towards EU will require greening our power sector in line with the requirements of the EU Force Energy Package Clean Energy for All Europeans. I'd like to note that the work on implementation of the European legislation, especially in climate and environmental uh, policies, uh, started already several years ago and some progress uh, has been already achieved. For sure, stable renewable energy policy and firm targets will create the market certainty needed to attract investments to rebuild after the war. Our policymakers should finally adopt so long awaited laws, which are crucial to accelerate renewables rollout in my country. First of all, is a draft law. I will mention it, maybe somebody from our Decision makers will listen our interview. So first of all is a draft law number 8191 developed by the Minister of Energy and registered already in the, um, our parliament still in November 2022. The law creates conditions for completion of the construction of renewable energy projects, primary wind ones, suspended due to the full-scale Russia's aggression against Ukraine. So it provides for two years extension of the terms of a plant commissioning and the validity of technical conditions for grid connections. My list of urgent laws also includes the draft laws developed by the Minister of Energy on contract for differences, feed-in premiums, guarantees of origin, very important law for us, and a number of uh, other ones that should be considered and adopted by our parliament as soon as possible. Back in uh, 2019, a green auction legislation was adopted by the parliament in Ukraine, but unfortunately so far no green auction has uh, ever been conducted in Ukraine. So we'll, we are also um, waiting for green auction finally to be imposed, introduced in our country. So as you see, unfortunately so far, the process of improvement our legislations in the field of renewable energy is not so quick as it should be and for sure it's unacceptable now and for sure it has been improved fast. Do you think the the the, the war has affected the perception of uh, the the needed energy transition uh, and and the role of renewables um, 
maybe also in building security and independence of Ukraine. And I'm asking this uh, both among the, the, the stakeholders and politicians, but also the general population. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure, the war has affected perception of the energy transition. For Ukraine, it has become one of the urgent and critical issues. Uh, decarbonization of the entire Ukrainian economy should be one of the main priorities in the post-war recovery. And first of all, as I have already said, it concerns our power sector. All energy specialists, all experts in Ukraine agree with this thesis. However, some uh, decision makers consider nuclear power as the main technology for decarbonizing the country and the main generation for Ukraine. Forgetting that electricity production at Ukrainian nuclear power plants is associated with a number of issues that cannot be resolved quickly. For example, uh, it's related to the extending the service life of the current nuclear power plants we have in Ukraine. So nuclear power is not a solution for Ukraine, not just because it's, it could be a target for nuclear terrorism. It is too slow to build and too expensive in contrast to wind and solar, which are readily available and much cheaper. And what is most important, more uh, safer for both environment and people. So that's why uh, for me, for our association, for many people all around Ukraine, it's understandable that the post-war reconstruction should be green with wind and solar at the core. One more uh, issue I would like to touch uh, is the uh, um, centrali centralized system of uh, power, uh, of the centralized nature of power system of Ukraine. Nowadays, it's clear for our decision makers, for our politicians, that it it will not work anymore. So we should change our power system. We should make it decentralized because decentralized power system, first of all, is less, less vulnerable to missile attacks. And we should consider this fact for sure as well. So I don't know if this uh, podcast we're recording will be listened by Ukrainian decision makers. Uh, I hope so. But uh, I know uh, for sure that it is listened. Uh, our podcasts are listened by uh, European decision makers, by, 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 by leaders of, of, of the wind energy industry. Um, so I wanted to uh, ask you one maybe most important question um, in the end of this conversation, uh, because it doesn't seem likely that the war will end soon. It looks like it will go on. And I wanted to ask if you could, if you would have a message for our industry what can be done? What can, how can we help if there is anything uh, specific that should or could be done? Uh, I will divide my answer, let's say, in, in two messages. Uh, first of all, it's more related to the future because I consider that it's never too early to consider the future. We don't know when the day will come, but we have to be prepared for this. So again, coming back to... Uh, post-war recovery of Ukraine and uh, to the uh, repairment of damages of our power system we have already right now. So we should not wait for an end to Russian aggression. And uh, everybody knows that reconstruction will cost more if urgent repairs are delayed. 
Again, I would like to express uh, gratitude to European Union for setting up a special Ukraine energy support fund at the energy community to counteract the impact of the Russian attacks targeting critical energy infrastructures. Contribution to this fund are used to finance the most urgent needs of uh, Ukrainian en energy companies, such as equipment, spare parts, as well as fuels and services needed to repair infrastructure and maintain energy and heat supply in Ukraine, which is obviously very, very important for the country, for our people. But for post-war uh, rebuilding of uh, our country, of our power system, it's also understandable that we need not only a technological industrial partnership with the European Union, with all our other our, uh, supporters and uh, countries all around the world, but we will need huge investments. Uh, and as we consider it, or we, have a, we are pretty sure it will be green, so we will need huge investments into renewables, first of all. So for this reason, a dedicated renewables for Ukrainian vehicle as a part of joint EC-Ukraine reconstruction platform Rebuild Ukraine could and should be set up. Contributions to this fund will be used to accelerate wind and other renewable deployments in Ukraine, in research activities in the field of renewable energy sources and capacity building programs. And now coming back to the current situation, uh, to current days, to win our this uh, ruthless and horrible enemy, we need more sanctions. And we know that the tenth package of sanctions are going to be imposed uh, still in February. The first point. And another point, we need weapons. I'd like to end uh, my answer by quoting our president, Vladimir Zelensky. You mentioned his uh, this week uh, visits to United Kingdom and to Brussels, to the European Union. So the words he said in his address to the United Kingdom Parliament. We have freedom. Give us wings to protect it. Galena, thank you so much for uh, finding the time to give us this interview. If I can say one thing, I hope that the next time we speak, uh, it will be only about uh, rebuilding Ukraine and strengthening uh, Ukraine's position uh, as a future member of the European Union. That's my also personal hope. Um, my too, as well. We have no other options. Neither Ukraine nor Europe. There we is no should, other option. And we absolutely. will be together. I'm sure of that. Um, and uh, I want to say that uh, I wish you all the best. Um, Slava Ukraini. Heroem Slava. And thank you once again for this uh, for this interview. Thank you, Christoph. Thank you very much. And again. Thank you to all Europeans and to our best and good friends, Poles, for all your support and for standing with us. Thank you very much and glory to Ukraine. Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini. Thank you everyone for listening. Goodbye. This was The Baltic Perspective, a dialogue on the future of European energy. 
Follow BalticWind.eu for more industry insights and daily news from the Baltic Sea offshore wind industry.